Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The catch is made by DJ Moore, still going across midfield, inside the 40, the 30. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast, here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into a brand new edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated beat writer Skylar Callahan and the, uh, the the most yards rushing in Carolina Panthers history, Mr. Jonathan Stewart, Jay Stewart in the house. Uh, guys, we normally go earlier in the week. We decided to hold off a little bit due to uh, Frank Wright's press conference on Tuesday. We were hoping we'd get a David Tepper sighting. We did. Uh, so we've got some audio so we can play a little respond react for you today. We'll get into what we heard during that press conference and uh, what it might mean going forward. We've all had a week now to kind of sit on the hire. Uh, we'll go through uh, the, the emotional roller coaster, so to speak, of Panther Nation uh, as Frank Wright was hired as the, the sixth head coach in Panthers history. The GOAT Tom Brady retires. We'll give you our opinion on that man's career. Um, and if it's for good, like he said, I'm, I'm I think it's for good. <laughs> It'll be 46 in August. It's kind of wild to even question that. But uh, with Tom Brady, you never know. It's open mailbag Thursday. So if you have a comment, a hot take, something about Coach Frank Wright, something about anything that's going on, David Tepper, anything with the Panthers, you can respond here on our uh, on the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. And then, of course, on Facebook Watch when you can uh, see this as well. The audio version will be available a little bit later on today. Um, and it's also... Uh, if we got some, it's also tell them why you're mad. So if you got something that you want to get off your chest uh, that you've been holding on to for most of the week. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. We give you the platform where you can do so. So uh, buckle up. We got a whole lot of stuff to get to, and we're going to get to it here. But first, uh, a word from our sponsors at Bet Online. Football is back. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. And... Where we start this episode is to get caught up on Panther news from the past week. Skyler, uh, first things first, we can't seem to escape him. Uh, we go a couple of weeks and we don't mention his name, then we have to mention it anyway. Uh, former head coach Matt Rule back in Panther news again, filing an arbitration suite, uh, suit uh, later uh, last week against the franchise. Uh, he's claiming that they are refusing to play to pay Rule's severance compensation following his firing from Carolina. What can you give us? regarding uh this <laughs> it's fine I mean, there's really not much to it other than that um it, it, everything's kind of been kept, kept close to the uh to the chest with it um the, the panthers don't want to respond to it or comment on it um i even i think the law firm that he hired or the attorney that he hired pretty much just put out that statement and that was pretty much it so 
I don't know where this is going to go. I know that there was like there's some rule that if a coach takes another job that's a higher position or high or significantly higher paid or something like that, that that doesn't have like the Panthers wouldn't be obligated to do that. But because he did so, I think that's why he's going after. But Carolina's like, whoa, you took a college job. But in that rule, it doesn't say anything about college jobs. So that's kind of the the gray area with this. So I'm really interested to see kind of where it goes. And I know people are kind of getting mad about it and saying, oh, like, you already got enough money and all this stuff. Hey, I mean, come on, man. Like, if, if you have a chance to get $5 million, I don't care how much money you got. Like, you're going to go yeah. out and yeah. So, everybody knows as much as I love the clown mat rule. In this instance, I'm like, hey, man, that's supposed to be your money. If that was what the contract said, then go get your money. I can't really hate you on that, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, Stu, I wanted to get your comment on uh, a hire, uh, potentially. Deuce Staley reportedly uh, joining the Panthers. He's a Lions assistant head coach and running backs coach. Uh, working with offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, who had been rumored to be in the running for uh, an interview with us for head coach. Dan Graziano on uh, Wednesday uh, tweeted out that running backs coach Deuce Staley would be joining the Panthers staff. Tell uh, – what do you know about Deuce? Played for the Eagles. Um, who else did he play for? He played for the Eagles. <coughs> Eagles. Steelers. Yeah, so Eagles like and Steelers. He the Steelers at the end there. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about Deuce. Uh, did you come across him? He he was on the coaching staff for the Eagles from 2011 to 2020, so he he knows Frank Wright pretty well. But uh, thoughts yeah. on Deuce Staley coming over? Yeah, I don't really know him personally, um, you know. But from what I have gathered, um, once again, um, Kenyon Barner, Legarrette Blount, you know, they were under him uh, when they won the Super Bowl um, when Frank Wright was there. And Deuce Staley, from what I from what I've retained, is um, he's a guy's guy, you know. And you know, when you get a a player coach that has been through um, the grind, especially at that position, um, because especially the running back position, I'm not really sure what his role is going to be for the, for the Panthers. But um, you know, I know he'll have some say in, in the sense of, you know, what the, what the running backs are doing, <laughs> him being, um, you know, one of, one of the Philadelphia greats, um, you know, he brings a grit and a, a tick, an extra tick because the running back position for the most part, the personalities are pretty even keel, kind of mellow, like, kind of stay to ourselves, um, never too high, never too low. Every now and then you'll get, you know, one of the ones that are, you know, a black sheep. <laughs> but for the most part, we're just kind of, you know, mellow, driven throughout practice, throughout the game. We're just consistent, right? But it's always good to have someone that can challenge you from a different vantage point, which is, hey, I'm not getting the most out of you right now. And I need to do that. And it seems like through the the clips that I've seen of him, you know, um, coaching and and being on the sidelines with his guys, you know, he's had, he has passion. He brings a whole like sense of passion to the sport um, and to, you know, these, this younger generation of what 
it takes to win games and what it takes to be a professional at this level. Um, and it, and it doesn't, and it's, and one of those things is not just coasting, don't coast. And I feel like, you know, people can get complacent, um, you know, with what their roles are. Um, and he seems like a guy that has a culture about him that says, no, we're not staying the same every day. We're going to get better. And that fits right into Frank Wright's protocol from his press conference. Um, and so, and and you can't get you can you can have you can't really have that type of coaching style from any coach either, right? Because as a player, you can't just have a guy that just comes in the room and you know and says, "Hey, you're gonna do what I say. You're gonna do it my way. And if you don't do it, then hit the highway." But you can get that kind of coaching every now and then from a guy that has a track record. Because okay, it's coming from Deuce. I believe it then. He's been, there. He's been yeah. through. He's been there. He's done that. He's been through it. It's something that I can trust and believe in. And I think that's part of the reason why you saw such a big buying with Steve. Because like mm-hmm. he'd been through it. He's got been in the league for years. Matt had just come from college, so like there's probably a little bit of trust issues. I would have to imagine. I mean, I'm talking to some of the players, like they they didn't really talk about Matt Rule specifically, but they just talked about how Steve had been in the league for so long as a coach and had seen so much that, like, his his tutelage is probably taken – I would, I'm not speaking for them, but I would say probably take it a little bit more seriously. And, yeah, I mean, that that plays a huge factor. And, and, and plus with Deuce, like, this is a guy that's really well-respected around the league, like probably had some opportunities to be an OC at some point. Um, and, I mean, I if I'm just being honest with you, he may be a guy that – could be a head coaching candidate here in a few years. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I personally, and now we're a week removed from the, you know, the announcement of Frank Wright and everything. All three of us, Panther Nation, we've all had a week now to kind of sit and uh, marinate on the whole thing. I've kind of come back 360 to, this is a good hire. Like, I'm sorry, this is a good hire. This is a damn good hire, matter of fact. Like, if, it, if Steve Wilkes hadn't existed and we hired Frank Wright, I think everyone would be talking about how the Panthers stole Frank Wright, like literally, like it just, it it feels like it fits like a hand in a glove. And I think for me, I I was, when it, when they first announced Frank Wright, we already started thinking in our heads that it might be leaning that way anyway. So it wasn't that much of a surprise when it happened. But I think for me, I realized over the weekend after we did our episode last week, the, all the reasons I like Steve Wilkes, Frank Wright has them too. Like literally, and he's got a couple more boxes checked that Steve unfortunately didn't have. And uh, on my Saturday morning show, I was talking about it with the panel, and none of them are Panther fans or not affiliated with him at all. So of course they're just going to constantly, you know, get at me about the Panthers. And they were kind of clowning me about. Matter of fact, you know what? <laughs> that was one of the things I forgot. That was one of the reasons why I was mad. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. They were clowning me because I was saying, well, Reich is from this area too. And that was one of the reasons why we like Steve Wilkes was because he was from this area. He understands what it is. And I was like, well, Frank Wright's been here, too. He's lived here 20 years. He raised a family here. Like, it's the same thing. And they were like, oh, so if you live in Charlotte, then you're qualified to be a head coach for the Panthers. No, but it helps. (laughs) It helps a lot to, like, understand the community. And for Frank Wright to already be ingrained in the community, to me, that was one of the selling factors for me, along with the fact that looking at his resume – I mean, my man's been some spots and they've put up some points like they've done some stuff. It ain't just like smoke and mirrors like he's 
one of the top offensive minds probably in the game. And for Panther yeah. Nation, we never had that. <laughs> like, I, I'm excited about that. And then someone else mentioned to me, too, I think it was Kevin Avery from the four-man rush. It was somebody where they were like, well, look at it this way. If you had hired Steve Wilkes as head coach and he brings in the next hot shot offensive coordinator, more than likely you're going to be replacing that offensive coordinator in two years because they're going to be moving on to a head coaching job. You're going to be in this constant cycle of replacing the OC. Whereas if Frank is the head coach and he's the offensive mind, you're not switching your offense every two years when the offensive coordinator leaves. It's still going to be his offense, and you can still instill your defense and everything else. And more than likely the way the league is, they're aiming towards the offensive candidates. So you can probably keep your staff together. And I didn't yeah. think about it that way. Um, which is- one, of the, one, of, one of the things that I, I gathered, too, though, from Frank's uh, press conference um, was he mentioned, you know, the formula to winning, right? And the first thing he did mention was defense. And that's probably what was so attractive about this this opportunity is because our defense is solid. Yeah. You know, a couple more pieces here and there, some depth. Like it's 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 a top five defense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I agree. Yeah. And and he said top ten defenses win you games and top five defenses win you championships. And so it's a different mindset when you have an, an OC-minded head coach that actually acknowledges the defense is what really wins us games. Yeah. Because now he sees his job as an enhancement to that formula. And not so, for good about special teams, too. I mean, the Panthers oh, special have been phenomenal. That was actually phenomenal. the other bit of news I needed to get to before we got to respond react. Um, one of the other things during that show Saturday that I was getting hammered with was that the Panthers are going to have to rebuild from scratch with a new coaching staff. And I was like, nah, I think they're going to retain some folks. A couple of days later, uh, the Panthers retained O-line coach James Campen and special teams coordinator Chris Tabor from the previous staff. Uh, the special teams unit, like you said, Skyler in particular, I think the Panthers were ranked fourth overall in special teams. Um, and James Campion, Campion, this is another former player. He played for the Saints, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and the O-line might be the one group out of the entire team that had the most improvement from week one to the very end of the year. Like the O-line carried us like the last half of the season and Campion had a lot to do with that. So the fact that Frank Wright came in and wasn't on a whole – uh, all right, everybody clear out. I want my guys. I don't need to keep any of this. All y'all are nonsense. Nah, he was like, yo, the O-line was good. Keep that dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, special teams on top, top five, <laughs> keep that guy. Like, let's let's not yeah. make this harder than it needs to be. Um, so I respect that uh, greatly. So they're still putting the roster, not the roster, still putting the, the staff together. But it does feel like, to your point, Stu, there's going to be a lot of former players on his staff, I think, when they're set, when it's all said and done. And I, and I like the fact that that press conference, that there were Panthers there. They were there yeah. to show support. Like, that's that means something. Like, to have uh, – they had – I think Icky was there, and they had – I think Dante Jackson was there. And like, they had dudes that are, like, core parts of this team that were there representing. And Frank right pointed it out. Like, he was like, you know, yeah. I got to – he went straight to them, actually, when the press conference was over, if I'm not mistaken, to talk to the players. So he gets it. Like, yes, you can be upset about Wilkes not getting it. But also agree it was a good hire. It was what uh, Twin Zito eighty one is saying here. It's open mail back Thursday, so you guys can put your uh, your comments up. I think I was there last week. I'm not honestly 
Steve Wilkes might end up being the next defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. So I, I'm I'm <laughs> like my man might end up falling into a, a situation where I'm just saying there's a trend there. The yeah. last defensive coordinators, Robert Sala and Demetrius, head coach. Yep. Maybe That's this awesome. is how Steve finally gets his actual chance as a head coach. But give, man, give Steve know. Wilkes that defense, I that gotta, roster. He'll he'll be some play, he'll be coaching. I'm trying to think of a team that's going to probably <laughs> pawn them out. The Black Guns. The Black Guns. <laughs> <laughs> <They're just not laughs> hey, Arthur Smith's probably going to be gone next year. so He'll be right back yeah. in the NFC South coaching the Falcons next year. And there you go. So don't be too sad for Steve, man. He's he going to land on his feet. Like he showed enough. Yeah. And that was what I was really concerned about was that the rest of the league wouldn't notice what he did. You Clearly they did. Well, it's not even really a bold prediction. It's more of a gut feeling. Because I, I don't want to go that far and say this is definitely going to happen. But since I started, like, really thinking about this whole Frank Reich hire, because, like, at first I told you guys I really didn't have much of an opinion on it. I was, I was like, okay, it's you know, seems safe, seems conservative. But when you look at his track record and what he has done, I mean, people can say what they want about how bad the quarterback situation was in Indy. But from what everything I've gathered, that wasn't 100% him. Like, that was a lot of the front office kind of messing some things up. And you go back to what he did in Philly. I mean, how often does a backup quarterback take, take you, you to the Super Bowl? Right. And won the damn thing. And won the MVP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and again, like you take yeah, that's, that's a that's a true credit to Frank because of his his preparation, get having those guys prepared, like like starters. That's the biggest thing. Like as a coach, your job is to prepare every single person in that room to be a starter. And, and, and that's exactly I, what he proved. He slid right in. And there was no drop off. Last week was like, I don't think that Frank's going to have a hard time getting these players to buy him because we've seen it in Indianapolis. Like, there's some clips of, like, Naeem Hines and stuff saying, I got your back, coach, and stuff like that. And had that been a problem, he wouldn't have made it to year five. Right. So, I don't think that's going to be an issue. When you look at the defense, and this is where I'm going with this, I'm not saying they're going to, but there is a path for the Panthers to win a Super Bowl in the next four years. I saw your article. I saw. I read the article, and I read through it, and I'm like, There is a path. This makes sense. But if I tried to tell anybody outside of Panther Nation this, they would throw things at me and be like, you're out, you're crazy. They they always use our past against us. Like, y'all have never won anything. What makes you think you're going to win something? That's how it goes down. The Bulls never won a title until 1991. (laughs) You know what I mean? If this is the first time you're turning into the show or you're fairly new to a show, if you don't know this, I'm very, very unbiased. And as these guys know, like, I, I don't pick the Panthers every game. I don't I, – I tell how it is. I give my true opinions on the games. So, when I say this, I truly mean I do think Carolina has a path to the Super Bowl within the next four years because you look at that defense, you look at that offensive line, you've got D.J. Moore under contract. Like, Brian Burns is going to get an extension here soon. And all you have to do – and this is what Scott Fitter has been talking about for the last 12 – 16 months is we want to get this roster to a point to where all you got to do is just drop a quarterback in there and you take off. And right now that roster is built for that. Yep. They've got to add a couple of pieces here and there. Yes. But you add a quarterback to this team. That's a consistent, reliable guy. You look around. I mean, come on now. This is, this is the Panthers division to take. 
it, it it makes sense and i never understood the whole seven year plan the whole jay-z rockefeller plan or whatever was going on with that i never understood it because most that works in college that works in college that works in college yeah when you can build on classes but in the nfl it only takes a year or two it literally nowadays you can boom one year yeah look at the Bengals. <laughs> the Bengals were been in two afc championship games and they were they won one game or something the year they picked Burrow two years ago Cincinnati and Jacksonville, what was the key factor to turning those teams around? Quarterback. Coach and a quarterback. Yep. And not just any quarterback. Like Real a top-tier. That's important. It's a top-tier quarterback. Like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence are not Sam yeah, Darnold. Sorry, Sam. random Joes. Yeah, there are levels to this. So, like, so that's actually a good place to start Respond React because one of the uh, clips I pulled was Frank Wright. Uh, when he was asked by the media and the media portion um, about stability at quarterback. You got to have stability at quarterback. You, you, you know, you want to have stability at quarterback. So um, the good thing that I've learned in my past experience here uh, in the past experience in a few years is we've learned how to adapt to different styles of quarterbacks, but that's not the ideal situation, right? So we, Mr. Tepper, Scott, myself have to commit to I mean, what's our blueprint where, how are we going to maintain stability at quarterback make a plan, and then execute that plan. Thoughts on what Frank said, because uh, that, that makes sense to me. All that's common yeah. sense, really. Um, we just kind of skipped around it during the Matt Rule era. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think, you know, like it seems like everything that they're doing now is very um, – Seems you know, very NFL-like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's new to us. It's a new world here. Like we, we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and I'm not trying to take a shot at Matt, but like it, it felt like he wanted to change the entire process of everything that an NFL franchise does and do by it by himself. Yes, by himself. Yeah. And Much the league, man, you got to be innovative. You have to collaborate, and so. That's what's happening right now. Those are the word. The words that are being said is essentially, we're going to collaborate. Every 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 leader in this organization will be at the table that needs to be at the table to help make decisions. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. And so I think one of the things to point out about this quarterback situation is he did say that he wanted, you know, he believed in a mobile quarterback, and so. Obviously, that's going to go into their decision making as far as what is their formula offensively. What do they believe in offensively? And I do believe running the ball is a part of that. And so, you know, going from there, you know, we'll see what's going to happen. We'll see what really is up Scott Fitter's, you know, hand or, or sleeve. But uh, I mean, the world's our oyster right now. I feel like everything that we've talked about throughout the year. That's kind of like went upside down, right? Because I mean, even like the quarterback talk, like it's like, ah, oh, I wouldn't draft a quarterback. It's like, yeah, yeah. now, yeah. now we have now our, our our situation's a little different. You know, it's like our like Pandora's box yep. per se, because we now have like this whole like switch in mentality, which is offense, offensive, you know, dri- offensively driven, and so. Weird. <laughs> feels so so weird. now we have to now it's like retraining your focus as a fan um to look at this whole thing holistically, like yo, there's a whole like 
opportunity out there that we have no clue is gonna like what it's gonna look like <laughs> as a fan. Oh, I will say I have watched more tape now that's the off season. And I'm coming around on CJ Stroud. Oh, okay, right. CJ. All right. Okay. I like CJ Stroud. <laughs> I'm not there yet with Bryce Young just because of his size. It, it scares me a little bit. But I'll go ahead and, and mark it down now. The Carolina Panthers will be drafting CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud. Spicy. February second. Mark it down. So when we when they when it happens, you know where you heard. Yeah. Because I'm I'm kind of well, I haven't seen enough tape on Stroud yet, but I saw him in the playoff game. Um, Dude, lit it up. It sounds like from the way they're talking, like Wright and Fitterer, it sounds like they're kind of prepping themselves to move up. Now, how far up they go, I have no idea. Um, We're at nine. You've said it previously, Skyler. Probably no further than five, I would think. But CJ might be gone before that. So ideally, though, I mean, you would like not to move up any further than that. But the reality is, like in the draft, everybody's going to be desperate for quarterbacks. So you're probably going to have to go a little higher than you want, whether that's two or three or, hell, maybe even up to one. Like, I mean, Chicago seems like they're probably going to move off that first pick. And if they do, then you kind of got to figure out, like, if you're Carolina, like, okay, if they're opening up the number one pick and, say, Detroit's interested, okay, well, then you you may have to make, make a push for number one if you really got your eyes set on somebody. Because if not, they're going to take them. I mean, that's literally what they're telling us. They're fitter and they're telling us, like, if there's a guy that you fall in love with that you really want, you got to go get that guy. That was Fitterer's words. So, as soon yeah. as he said it, I was like, oh, they're going to trade up for CJ Stroud. <laughs> like, they're already talking about it. Like, that was part of Reich's like pitch or something when they went in and they're going to keep it close to the vest. Um, he, uh, Coach Reich, he had an interview with Kristen Balboni uh, that night, I think, that he got announced that he was going to be the hire. So, I went to go find it. It's like five minutes long on YouTube, but it's like at his house real comfortable setting. They were talking and he said the stuff I wanted to hear from him. He mentioned it again. He was asked at the press conference about why Carolina was the perfect fit. And we've echoed on it earlier in this episode, but I wanted to put it out there in, in coach Reich's words himself as to why Carolina was the perfect fit. What true to true to the city. Introduced our daughters. They were all raised here. You know, we lived here for 13 years before, um, you know, transitioning full time uh, before transitioning full time. So, you know, our, one of our daughters, our youngest daughter, Hannah, was born here, but they were all raised here, went to school here, high school, the whole deal. So this was home. This was instantly home for us. You know, we had 10 years up in Buffalo, which were amazing 10 years playing up there. And then I played for three other teams as I finished my career. But when we were looking at, hey, where's home base going to be long term? It was the Carolinas. It's always been the Carolinas for Linda and I. We've been, like I said, we've been married a long time. And when we started talking about where do we want home base to be, we just fell in love with this area, with this city. Um, and so this has always been part of the master plan. And then to think I get to come back and do it as the head coach, uh, that's insane to me. So let's go. I mean, let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Let's go. So, I mean, find somebody to make t shirts and, and <laughs> Frank, say, Frank Wright says, let's go. <laughs> so, I mean, if you had any doubts, if you had any doubts about why didn't they hire Steve Wilkes, and we'll get into David Tepper's comments regarding some of the stuff regarding diversity and whatnot here in a bit, but. If you had any doubts, and I know we were one of the main shows pushing Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes, like the whole year. So I get it. If you came here and you're expecting us to just be like with pitchforks and like, ah, Steve Wilkes. But I'd like to think the three of us are pretty rational humans and we understand it's a business. And 
I mean, it, I think the, the worry was that he didn't get it because he was African-American. I never caught that vibe at all. I, it felt like Frank Wright just came in with a better interview and then crushed it on the second one. And his resume is just unfortunately just longer uh, than Coach Will. Like if, if Steve was the quote-unquote offensive mind, I think he would have had the job three weeks ago. Yep, I agree but with that too. Yep. Because he's on the defensive side, like that that's probably the biggest thing that – Hindered his chances, but I mean, I, and I think like I think somebody said in the comments, and and we've said it numerous times too. Like, you can be upset and ticked off for Steve because he absolutely deserved this opportunity. But when you look at what Frank Reich brings to the table, it's it's kind of hard not to get a little you know a little excited about it and understanding as to why that's the direction they went. In. Mad, but we understand it. And and now I want Panther Nation to get to the acceptance stage <laughs> and to get to that stage of excitement because we haven't had a draft in Panthers history where we've had offensive minds in the room. Like they can go in here and like mess some stuff up. Like in a good way. <laughs> not only do you have that, but you have like the perfect storm for an offensive explosion in terms of transactions because your defense is pretty damn set. Like, yeah, you're going to have to probably add a safety or a linebacker or edge. Pass rusher, but yeah. You got a lot of things that you could add to that offense. You got you need to get another receiver. You could add to the running back room. You're going to have to get a quarterback. Probably wouldn't hurt to get a tight end. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities where Carolina's, like Scott Fitter said, this is their chance to start taking some shots on some guys and be a little sexy in the draft. And he he typically what he says he does. Like he when he first got there, he was talking about moving up and down the board, getting picks and stuff. And then that first draft. He was all over the board, just picking up extra picks and uh, turn those into players that actually played uh, with Carolina. Um, do we want to talk about Matt? Do we want to talk about Matt Corral at all? Um, this, in, do in we? Because <laughs> I, I was mean, actually I, mm, we haven't really seen because we haven't seen him play. Yeah, you know yeah. we've seen bits and pieces and whatnot, but I feel like under this new regime, Matt Is Corral. Has a, a has a different ceiling, I know that under this regime than he did with the one before. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot there's a lot that that we should be really excited about. Like just come to think about it, like there, we have a coaching staff that's being formulated to enhance the players, and so especially on the offensive side of the ball, like Matt Corral, if he has if, if I'm him right now, you know. I'm getting healthy. I'm getting my mind right to to be a guy. To be yeah. a guy, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? No, I'm just like Matt Rule. Even though he did a lot of things wrong, obviously he he did get something right in terms of he knows that like in the NFL, a quarterback being healthy for 17 games is very very rare, even in today's game. Like even the best guys are missing a game or two. Lamar Jackson half the season. So like the big thing is. Matt Corral, I think, needs to take the approach of, like, I'm going to be the starter, even though in the back of his mind he probably understands what the team's plans are going to be. But he needs to be like what P.J. Walker was these last three years and stay ready because, as we've seen, there's going to be a time where that starter gets hurt and now Matt Corral's got an opportunity to prove himself. Maybe not to Carolina, maybe, maybe the other team. To someone else around the league. And that's exactly the mindset that the locker, guys in the locker room, you get guys, you know, special teams or practice squad, and, and, and it's a long grind, bro. Like, I mean, throughout the season, 
like it's a grind and, and and for guys that have you know their families bouncing around and not having job security like the message is hey bro just hang in there and just keep balling keep practicing hard keep preparing because you never know when your number is going to be called because you don't want to be that guy when your number's called and, and you, you don't ready. show up yeah and you're ready. not ready and you miss you miss not just that opportunity but you miss the opportunities for a lifetime and so, like, you got to prepare like you are the starter. Like, when I got into the league, like, my rookie year, it was me and D'Angelo. Me and D'Angelo competed and practiced and prepared like we were both the starters. Because at any given time, which happened, often one of us was going to get hurt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, if you're not ready, it's not going to pan out for you. So I mean, stay ready. The stay ready problem. so you don't have to get ready. That's I was gonna say. My grandpa used to say that all the time. If you if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready, and that's facts. So the biggest problem here for Matt though, Matt Corral, is that like this coaching staff that's coming in did not draft him. They did not scout him. The guy that really, really kind of, you know, I wouldn't say pounded at the table, but really kind of pushed for him, Ben McAdoo, probably not going to be here. So yeah. how does Reich and how does mm-hmm. the offensive staff? View Matt Corral, a guy who they did not get any tape on last year, except for a few snaps in preseason play. So that's it, it's kind of a, and I guess for maybe Corral, it could be a good thing. It's a blank canvas, but sometimes that's not always the best thing. So I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a tough situation for Corral because he thought he was going to be potentially the future of the franchise, and now here he is, not having any opportunity. It really seems like at least here. The um and the thing with him too coming off of a foot injury and him being a mobile quarterback coming out of college we don't necessarily know exactly what we're we're getting with him I, again though I'm kind of done with betting the farm on uh, you know unknowns you know like at this point <laughs> yeah. at this point we kind of know what we need we need yeah. a franchise quarterback the face of the franchise quarterback and I don't I don't know if that's Matt Corral I don't think it will be it could be mm-hmm. C J Stroud I'm actually kind of warming up to drafting Anthony Richardson at nine now based off the comments that Reich was saying about how he wants a guy that's mobile uh you know the run game the comments he made about that Richardson's really raw but he kind of reminds me of Cam a little bit yeah that boy athletic athletic. he's super athletic you put him with Frank Wright for like a offseason mini camps installing the, the the playbook from the very beginning like getting him in there and then you're going to have a run game for him to lean on. You can run some RPO, which he was doing with Carson Wentz. And that was another thing, too. People were kind of clowning Carson Wentz or whatever. Carson Wentz got a $100 million contract because of Frank Wright. <laughs> like, Frank Wright's the one that was actually – And if you look at his stats, you know? staff, at his stats, when Frank, Frank Wright took the, the Colts head job, his numbers were not as good. Yeah. And when he came to Indianapolis in that one year in Indy, and yeah, I know he he probably didn't have that. You know, there was a couple of games he probably liked that back. But when you look at the numbers, he only turned the ball over seven times. Yeah, he threw for twenty seven touchdowns. Like he, I'm sure Carolina fans would be loving to have those types of numbers from the quarter. No, no, wait. I want to put out there: we're not saying we want to go get Carson oh, and bring him to Carolina. Like, so let's not have that as a soundbite. <laughs> Believe if y'all are listening, we don't we we don't want Carson Wentz. But uh, what he did with Carson Wentz has been blown out of proportion. I think a lot of people are thinking Carson Wentz is trash. Blah, blah, blah. 
without Wright, yeah, he played, uh, and he had some injuries. But with Wright, those are the best years of his career to date, and he got an extension out of it and was an MVP candidate. So Frank Wright can do this. Like, Frank Wright, he's about his business when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, I wanted to get to David Tepper because it's a it's a treat when we get to hear from the owner. Uh, this is the fifth time. <laughs> this is the fifth time now David Tepper's spoken publicly since he's bought the team. He bought the team – 2017 is that something like that so he speaks about once a year and um (laughs) this was his opportunity to speak uh kurt the audio is courtesy of uh our friend vastai hurt over at carolina blitz um the first thing i wanted to to go on was his uh his comment about ceo coaches because that perked my ear when he said it because it kind of felt like he was throwing a little shade towards a uh a matt rule and then he doubled down on it and i got them both so yeah, look, I mean, it's great to have a CEO coach. It's preferable to have a coach that's really extraordinary on one side of the ball or the other side of the ball. Um, it, it makes you have to fill those key coordinator positions when you have it. Um, and, you know, you want to have, like I said, a, a guy that's committed to get the best coaches in the building and has done a lot of homework, you know, um, as I said, in our process and presented that. And we thought about it again and again and again and continues to think about that. And is willing to give up on other coaches to get the best people in the building. When I say the best people in the building, top 10 coaches, okay? We're not going to have the best person in every position, but, you know, every position coach, but top 10 people. It should be an absolute standard. All right. Thoughts on Tepper's initial comments regarding uh, learning his lesson. That's what I gathered from these comments is that, People have wanted to say David Tepper's stubborn and he's this and he's that. And they don't know the man. We've talked about this on the show. They don't know David Tepper from Adam. They, they've never met him before. <laughs> so they don't know what his temperament is. They're just assuming he's these things from what they've seen the team do. From all of this stuff the past 10 days, it makes me feel like the man learns from his mistakes. Like if he makes a mistake, he's willing to admit he made it. And then he's going to go and fix what he did. Like that's how he got to where he is in life today. So like yeah. – it was millions of times before they become a billion. So right, like, right. he knows exactly what he, what he has to do now. Like, and I mean, if you just look at the difference between the first coaching search that he had and this one night and day, like they went through that first one, like a breeze. I think they interviewed, I want to oh, say like, maybe three other people outside yeah. of Matt. And that was it. They didn't do a second round. They were done, like, first round of the playoffs or something. Like January? Yeah. Yes, I mean, Matt Rule had just barely finished his season and had already been named the head coach of the Panthers. So, like, for this time, they went and they interviewed, like, nine people, went through a second round of interviews. It was a very thorough process. And I think if you're a Panther fan, that's got to at least have you feeling a little bit better about this time around. And they had a plan. Like last time around, it felt like they just wanted to find that guy that could like do everything for him. And he learned that he couldn't do it like that. They wanted to be like, like Stu kind of mentioned earlier, like to do it yourself and stuff like that. It's almost like he wanted to go outside the box and be like the first guy to, you know, ah, gotcha. Like I got the best college coach to come up here and, and kill it in the NFL. Well, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. History shows that. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he learned his lesson, and I think from his comments and what they've done, plus, too, keep in mind, they were interviewing defensive coordinator candidates while they were still interviewing head coaching candidates. Like they, It feels like Scott Fitterer is the one that's really putting the staff together 
which is different than before because when uh rule was hired wasn't marty herney still the gm or he had just came back was that right yeah i think so, he was yeah and it was almost like you didn't really know how much authority marty had because they gave so much to rule um this is totally different like frank wright's coming in he made a comment in the press conference i didn't clip it but uh where someone asked him you know who's controlling what or whatever and he was basically like scott controls the the 50 man the 53 man roster and i i control it on sunday like for the most part but it'll be collaborative in terms of what we're doing he just said the right things like the stuff i wanted to hear from the new coach and what they're going to do going forward they're going to keep the good stuff that came out of last year they know what's missing they know what they got to go get. They got the tools to go get it. They got the minds in place to do it now. And they're young. They're a young team. They're probably, what, one of the five youngest teams in the NFL? Like, if the whole defense is young. Um, it, it never made sense bringing, like, a vet QB, like a 30-plus-year-old QB, when the entire team is under the age of 28 or whatever. So um, I, think, I think they may possibly move up in the draft. Tepper, though, doubled down on his uh, CEO comment. This is what actually perked my ears is when he went into this. And then the second challenge you have is, and I made this mistake, you know, I think it's a mistake to have a CEO type head coach, okay? That's a mistake, just in general. That's what I kind of believe. So I think you want to get somebody who's really good on offense or really good on defense. And, um, you know, we think that Frank, you know, is really good on offense. He's a guy that um, – you know, proves his grit, his personal grit when he was a quarterback and these comebacks he had, in, you know, like at Maryland and Buffalo. Um, and, you know, he's a guy that will never stop fighting and never stop trying to have this team be successful, period. Thoughts on that? Uh, I thought it was funny that the arbitration uh, suit came out <laughs> <for> like <three> hours <laughs> like after Tepper's comments. Um, I was like, God, we, we in a petty war right now between these two men, but I'm here for it. I'm here for the petty. Y'all know that. Um, thoughts on Tepper's comments regarding that? Like, does it feel like? Do you feel better about David Tepper being the owner, or did you ever feel bad about it? Because there's a there's a segment. I don't, I don't think I've ever felt bad about it. What I've what I've gathered, man, is Rome wasn't built in a day, but expectations of excellence need to be there, and I think what has been realized is that the the winning mentality especially in the NFL at the NFL level complacency cannot be anywhere can't be anywhere within the organization that's from the top to the bottom and right now I feel like we're we're in the midst of seeing the the Carolina Panthers really dive back into the culture, mm-hmm. dive back into what it means to win, what it means to to show up every day, even when you lost yesterday, with the mentality that you are about to win the day. And when I was at Oregon, University of Oregon, Mike Bellotti was our coach. And our slogan was win the day. Everything we did in the classroom, like at the house, practice, whatever it is, win. Win that day. Win the moment. And it's it's a it's a mindset. And so you want to talk about brands and all these types of things of you know what you are as a team. You're tough and you're physical and you're you're fast and explosive. 
I think one of the things that, you know, this whole CEO mentality um, is a CEO is, is, is kind of good at a lot of things, right? You're good enough at things to handle everything, right? To handle everything. Not necessarily win at everything, but handle it, be in the mix, understand it, um, and and delegate, right? We can delegate. CEOs can delegate to the moon. But in order to really be good at something, you got to dial in. And you got to dial in on one thing or the other. And I think that's what Tepper has realized is, man, like, I'm going to go get the best offensive coordinator or offensive mind out there because right now the Carolina Panthers are have are struggling on offense. So if there is a hole in the bucket on the offensive side and we just continue to pour water in there and there's a hole in, in the bottom, nothing's going to be successful. <laughs> we ain't going to find no success. <laughs> so I'm going to go and fill that – I'm going to go fill that hole at the bottom there Seal it all up with Frank Wright. And so you, I think this is a great move, man. Um, I was going to say, too, both Wright and Tepper. I've got one more audio from Tepper here. Um, they have both kind of said the whole uh, this isn't a situation. We're talking about the staff and everything. This isn't a situation where you just bring in guys you know and that kind of thing. Like they've been very pointedly saying these things that. We're not, we're not doing the CEO approach. We're not doing bringing your buddies in here. Like, we're going to bring the best guys at these spots. And they're showing that so far. Deuce Staley is actually highly revered around the league as a running backs coach. Uh, James Campen might be one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, like bar none. Like, Tabor. like he, he might be the one. Tabor might be the best special teams coach in the, in the whole league. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of argument with that. Like, so – they're under recognizing it and they're they're rewarding it, which I like. And to me, that's all I really wanted to find out from David Tepper. Do you learn from your mistakes? Like, do you, as an owner, are you going to be like, uh, I hate I'm on the bus, but man, Jerry Jones, you gonna be like Jerry Jones and try the same thing for 20 years and hope that one one year it sticks and it works, or are you able to adapt on your feet and move and and go with the 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 strength of your team or the the vibes of the league or whatever the trend is are you able to move your team forward with it and are you also willing to take risks you want to know one of the things that i think separates tepper from from someone like uh jerry jones is tepper realizes that i mean he's a billionaire for a reason he removes all emotion to his decisions and i feel like that is the key component to success running any business, any organization, a football team, a soccer team, whatever it is, you have to remove emotion. I think Jerry Jones is too emotional about his Dallas Cowboys. He's too attached, man, to your players. He's too attached. He's attached to the coaching staff. He's attached to everything. Like, like you can be, there's, there's a, there's a thin line, bro. Like you accept, you accepted the, 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 opportunity to own have ownership in a team an nfl team and so your the expectation is that you have to make decisions that most likely will hurt a lot of people's feelings you know what i'm saying like this one. And, and and do and do what's best 
for the organization, for the fans, even if the fans don't know what's best for them. And so these things are learned, but they're also, they're learned, but there has to be application. And I think the encouraging thing right now is we're seeing, you know, David Tepper, our owner, the Carolina Panthers, like doing something that a lot of owners don't do, which is make the hard decisions. Yeah. And yeah. so I think uh, we can commend him on that. Uh, comments rolling in pretty fast uh, here. Thanks to everybody that's watching uh, this new episode of Believe in Panthers. Brad Thomas commented, do you, you guys think Foreman is re-signed or do they roll with Chuba in a drafted rookie? It sounds like they're going to try to re-sign Foreman because Reich actually name-dropped him in that press conference is one of the reasons why he came here. So uh, with the offensive line, I don't think you're going to find a running back in this draft that's going to give you what Foreman gives you uh, just next year. And the love of Charlotte. He loves being here. So that all yeah. that all comes back. You got to love being here. Like this whole idea that you can just play football wherever. If you're playing in Green Bay and you hate the cold and you hate Green Bay, you're going to hate the Green Bay Packers. You're going to hate playing for them. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just natural common and sense. Deontay, the culture, Deontay, it's all about the culture, bro. All about the culture. Deontay is a guy that I've talked to numerous times and a lot of them throughout the year. And I'm actually going to try to get him on our show at some point this offseason. I got to get in touch with his agent. But, um, I mean, he's he's a guy that loves Carolina and the really the biggest reason because this is really his first opportunity to be the guy yep. in the NFL. And he, I mean, he talked to me about it at length. I, I think I have an article up somewhere on it from a couple of months ago or right from when the season ended up when mm-hmm. I spoke to him last. But yeah, I mean, he wants to be here. If the number's right and Frank Reich wants him to be here, then yeah, I think they're going to find a way to get it done. Cause I don't think he's going to want, you know, money was never a thing for him when I when I talked to him. He's like, I, I'm not trying to get all the bag. Like he's like, Yeah, I want to get paid, but like I don't I'm not trying to, you know, demand like I need this certain money. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna be an issue. Um, Willie Smith, believe in Panthers super fan. Uh, I know he's still down about Wilkes not getting the job. He says the culture that Wilkes got Panthers back to, does Tepper believe in the keep pounding culture? I keep asking the same question. I believe he does. Maybe he came in thinking it wasn't a big deal. But he has been converted uh, in the five years he's been here. Remember, um, I think it was for one game. They took away the keep pounding drum, and it wasn't out there at the beginning of of a game or whatever. And everybody was like, where the hell is the keep pounding drum? And that thing was back six days later. Like, there was so much (laughs) (laughs) like an uproar about it. I don't think David Tepper really understood. And all that goes back to what I was saying before, Willie. This goes to Tepper, too. Like, Matt Rule didn't understand the culture here. And I think by default, David Tepper didn't either because he's not from here. He doesn't. He was a Steeler minority owner. Like he understands culture, but he didn't understand ours. And I think this was a crash course in him understanding. Oh, okay, this is how you guys do it. This is what you expect. This this is what you want out of a coach. This is what you want out of a leader. And I think he's come back around full circle on it with this hire. He hires a former Panther. He goes for what he said he wanted: an offensive-minded coach. He's got connections here. Uh, he's keeping guys in the organization, regardless if they were hired by Matt Rule or not. If they're good at what they do, he's keeping them. So, yeah, yeah I think he's, I think he's rounded a corner on that. Um, all I can I say, mean, if you, come on, bro. I think if you, I think if you take a rookie that gets drafted this year, any rookie, and you place them in that locker room, right? First year, first experience with the head coach. It's going to take that player probably a, a whole year to tell you what the culture is of the Carolina Panthers because he doesn't know. He's never been 
in Carolina. He doesn't know everything about Carolina. He's you can read articles and all these types of things, but you won't really gather that perspective until you're in it. And that rookie, that rookie player is in the locker room every day. <laughs> and it's gonna take him that long to gather appropriate answer of what the culture of the locker room and what the, the Carolina Panthers all are about. And so to take the owner who's not that involved every day in the locker room with the guys, with the coaching staff, like to have that expectation of, you know, guys to just be like, hey, you should know better. Well, yeah, but this who's is pretty hard. It's pretty hard. Sonny DeVizio, I hope I pronounced your last name right, Sonny. Uh, said when I heard Reich say keep pounding and spoke on Sam Mills, I got hype. Oh, I did man, too. I did too. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> okay, let's go. Like, okay, let's you go. That's a test. <laughs> there was the Panthers, man. The Panthers social media team is got to be top five in the league. Like they're just on it. And uh yeah. the, one of the first pictures they posted, one of the first posts was a picture of Frank Wright and Sam Mills on the sideline. Uh, I guess getting ready to go out for the coin toss or something uh in that 99 that nineteen ninety five inaugural season. And I saw it, and I, I retweeted it and, and and put it up myself. And I was just like, "Yeah, this is what we want. We we want that. We realized we wanted this with Wilkes. Like, if we didn't have Wilkes in that situation, we wouldn't have realized that's what we needed. We would have been looking for the next hot shot offensive coordinator that had nothing to do with here and all that stuff. Wilkes taught us that it's it's crucial for us as a fan base to feel some sort of attachment to the history that we've all gone through. And the easiest way to do that." is through the tree that the Panthers have kind of built. Now, I can hear the people in the back, well, you haven't won anything, blah, 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 blah. This this conversation ain't for you. <laughs> we ain't right, talking to right. you. We're talking to family. A lot, of, like, a, a lot you know, of teams haven't won a thing. Yeah. You know, like it, it's not okay. like every team in the league but us has won a Super Bowl. Like, there's a handful of teams. <laughs> there's a couple teams that ain't even been to a Super Bowl. At least, I mean, we can say we've been to a couple. There's I'm looking at you, Cleveland. I'm looking at you, Detroit. I mean, like, there's some squads there that never even sniffed a Super Bowl before. So, it's just I don't know. Um, and I did pronounce it right. Appreciate you, Sonny. Appreciate that. Um, I got one more audio thing before we get out of here. And I thought it was one of the most important things here because the thing I didn't want to get into last week in the raw emotional aftermath of hiring Frank Wright was the large contingent of folks that were mad that Steve Wilkes didn't get it. And I was seeing a lot of people try to flip it over to, oh, well, he didn't get it because he was black. And like, I'm just like, people are forgetting what David Tepper has done since he bought this team. Like when, um, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed to a default kind of got blackballed from the league for kneeling. Who was it that brought Eric Reed back into the league and gave him some money? It was David Tepper. David Tepper, and this was his first year as an owner. Like he, he stepped on a lot of owners' toes by doing that, and he didn't care. Like who, his uh, his front office is one of the most diverse front offices in the entire league. I'm not going to steal the thunder from him. This is comments from Tepper when he was asked about that. And you could tell he was ready to answer it. I think that you should look first at our executive team and inside the building and look at who we have in different positions inside our building. Our president is a woman. We have uh, probably the most, most diverse executive team in the NFL right now. We have two African-Americans. Um, we are probably a minority of white men on our executive team right now. That's where it starts. That's America. Okay, that's the process. And that's the process I'm talking about here. You don't want an old boys network. You don't want, I don't care, the old boys network works all kinds of different ways. Okay, unfortunately, it is a, in this case, it's a detriment because most of the old boys were white. So you, that should be your main focus. 
how do you break that old boys network? How do you break that process to get you that old boys network? You break the process by trying to get the best people possible in every role you can do, whether it's um, the new GC we hired happens to be an African-American woman, whether it happens to be Frank Wright, who's a Caucasian male. I don't care who it is, whether we go through um, um, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, who is the best person? Not whether you had a formal relationship with them, not who you knew, but who is that best person? And some of that best person, as Frank said, does come into that chemistry. Yo, I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. Tepper came in with some bars. Hey, Tepper was <laughs> dropping bars right there. I just don't, I, hey, y'all didn't hear that? If y'all didn't hear that? Now, see, this goes back to my point earlier. Man, we got to, like, Tepper is out here doing things. He is. He's he taking the ocean out of it. Taking it out, and he's doing things different, and coming with a different approach, bro. Like I do. the good old boys network. Hmm. He called it out. You like know, how many times do your owner say that? He, boy, he didn't call. He didn't call that all the way out. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but listen, like, like, but like, how do you how do you really provide change and opportunity? You got to stir it up. Yep. Okay. You got to stir it up, and once you stir it up. Somebody, person that was over here that didn't have that opportunity. Once you stir it up, that opportunity is next, all of a sudden sitting right next to him. I mean, okay? hell, you you could argue that, like he could have gave the interim job to Ben McAdoo. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I if mean, it's really a situation of him being racist, this thing matters. Black this, guys, what, then... we're, what we're seeing, bro, is this matters to Mr. Tepper. Yep. The Carolina Panthers matter to him. He it matters so much to the fact that. Hey, I'm gonna do things from left field when it comes to the standard of what people do in this league. I am going to do something that people might not like, but eventually they're gonna see that we're gonna be a Super Bowl contending team, playoff oriented team year in and year out, because I'm going to make sure that the Carolina Panthers are staffed or equipped to make a run at it every year. Mm-hmm. And so he's a billionaire for a reason, y'all. Thank you. Like, That's what I was like. On, he, 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 didn't, he didn't make $16 billion sitting on his, you know, his computer chair. And doing, and, and doing what people told him to do. Just, and to, like, Google what, what should I do for coaching staff. He didn't sit there and <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? Or like, like, hey, my buddy told me that I should get this coach. No. He Googled I'm gonna get... top five offensive coordinator right now. I'm going to go through 12 people and I'm going to make sure that I know that I know that I know that I knew what I know, that I knew what I knew then about what I know now about this coach. And so <laughs> there it is. Speaking of the coach, Aaron says uh, after his introduction, Coach Wright went straight to the players and shook their hands before going on stage. Thought that was classy. He knows the play, the Panthers culture for sure. I, was no- I noticed that as well. Um, it's the little things, man. That's what we loved about Wilkes. It's the little things that these players get up for. Wright already has that. Like I, I feel like these dudes are gonna come out and want to run through a wall for this guy. By the time they get the staff together, especially if, maybe if uh, I don't know, maybe they have a couple Panthers on this uh, this staff before it's all said and done. I could see that. I could. I, mean, I don't know I what Luke's doing right now, but the one thing that really stood out to me about the whole the whole day was like 
he kind of almost reminds you of Steve in certain ways because he's very serious. I mean, he but he can he could throw in a little joke here and there. I'm talking about the bus rides from Clemson and, and yeah. stuff, but like <laughs> very serious about this job and about this organization. And I mean, I, I just feel like there's a clear I don't know, parallel maybe the right word, but with him and Steve because they had – I mean, heck, he even brought up win the day in his con- in his press conference. Yep. So, like, I don't think the messaging is going to be that different. And I, I, I think, again, with his background and everything, like, I, I think the players are going to love him. I We're going to score more points. Like, who's not going to love that? <laughs> We're going to score more than 17 points. <laughs> when you listen to him talk, which it sounds really weird to say – He's not a guy that's like fiery that's going to, you know, get you going. But like, there's a confidence in his voice, and that carries a lot of weight. Steve was the same way. And, yeah. and, and, and in retrospect, Rule was not. And that was something we would talk about uh, season two, I believe in Panther. We talked about it every week about what is this dude doing at the press conference? Like, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Matt Rule. He's going to be in the news again next week talking Man, about us. Like, let's I, not, I, let's not talk about him no more. Unless <laughs> they win a championship, national championship. <laughs> he'll, he'll come out and say something like, well, we could have won the Super Bowl first year if I had not. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit there and say, mm. <laughs> You know why I'm mad. Let's move on. Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> I'll tell you why we're mad. I'll tell you why we're mad, son. Did either one of you guys have something for tell you why I'm mad before we get out of here for the, for the, for the week? I've got a quick one, and I'm glad I saved it because it worked out perfectly. The whole officiating thing, right? Oh. That was the thing I was going to unle- unleash last week, but I decided oh. to wait. The officiating in the Bengals-Chiefs game I, I don't know what was going on. That was just absolutely bonkers. Like, yeah, he came running in. They showed the, the sky camera or whatever. But, I mean, I mean, we're talking splitting hairs. And that that cost a punt. <laughs> like, and that – didn't they not go down and score on that drive? Uh, either that or uh, it was a turnover or something. Anything, regardless, it kept the drive a lot. Yeah. Because- getting a first down and all that stuff. But, like, my biggest gripe, and I've probably had this as why are you mad before, why are coaches and players not allowed to talk about the officiating without getting fined? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. Last time I checked, the officiating is a part of the game. And in some instances, not all, it can change the outcome of a game. So – I mean, I would get if if a guy's sitting there cursing up a ref in a press conference. Yeah, you can slap a fine for that. But to sit there and say that he flat out missed a call or you flat out disagree with the call and you're going to get a $50,000 fine for that, that is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It, that went along with that whole NFL script stuff that's been floating around on Twitter the past, like that every year scripted out. And, and Dude, what was your script? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you look at your did you look at your scripts too? <laughs> yeah, man, my script was hey dog, hey, we're gonna need you to roll your ankle. Okay, roll your ankle. Um and then make sure you uh when you go out of bounds, don't go all the way out of bounds so you get bent backwards so your OCL can tear. Um oh, and then where you catch the screen, okay. This is this is important. The year of the Super Bowl. Before we get to the Super Bowl, this is how we're gonna get there. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna play at Atlanta Falcons at home. You're gonna catch a screen. Okay, 
and defense alignment. I want you to run slow enough <laughs> because, and this is the reason why we run in the screen. So that way, when you catch it, you're not at full throttle. So that way, the defense alignment can catch up to you so that he, he can tackle you and land on your foot to break your foot. It all, makes, so, it break, all makes sense. And when you break your foot, we're going to put you down for about three weeks. You're going to be rested and ready to go for the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs because that's who we're going to play. Oh, okay. God. That's how it's going to work out. And then when we when you hit that that first play, it's going to hurt a little bit, but you got to have your mind. You got to have your mind. You got the psyche. Okay. You got to be thinking about this for the next three weeks, your psyche, and what it's going to look like for that first play. And so when you hit that first play, boom. It's going to hurt, but you ain't going to think about it because he's going to be gone. Right the they, they tell Cam and his script to not go for that fumble. In the yeah. Oh, man, I don't know what you're talking crucial. about. You cannot, you cannot go after this. Like, no, don't, don't, ruin the don't whole talk, show. Don't, don't, don't talk about my dog, man. My dog, man. <laughs> hey, a uh, special – uh, We ain't talking about the Super Bowl, man. <laughs> hey, shout out here. Shout out here, yeah, uh, shout out here uh, in, the, in the comment section. We got a good friend of yours, uh, Stu. Steve hey, that's Steve. Watching us right now. Stewie LOL, Smitty watching you. What's up, hey, Steve? Smitty, we got to get man. you on. We got to get hey, Stu. Stu and Smitty, we got to get both y'all on an episode of Believe in Panthers. And, yeah, uh, man, I'm going to see if Smitty come over here, man, and bless us, bless us with his time. We will. You know, we will busy just, man we gotta, he's a busy man out there. <laughs> hey, I got to check his podcast out, too, because he'd he be on there saying some stuff. Oh, yeah, he'd be on it. I would honestly love to know, like, seriously, all of these – Fake scripts. Like, could you imagine what – I mean, Stu just gave a really good one. But, I mean, some of these dudes that, that have been in the league, like if they could have, you know, gone off – like I, I would love to hear what Steve would have to say about that because that would be well, – you know, I didn't know a script to this. I didn't even pay it no mind. I started seeing it filtered through Twitter, and I'm like, nope, ain't going to do it. Because, has like you said, I just watched the Kansas City game, and I'm like – Has he walked back on it yet or no? Or is he still sticking to it? No, nah, as far as I can see on Twitter, it's all still out there. Like, he hasn't – I mean, everyone – people talk about that all the time, that it's rigged all the time. I'm like, how do you rig an NFL season? You're talking about, what, like 4,000 players? <laughs> like, just, uh, people, people just want people, the easy way. People just, people just want to be talking, though. They want to be the first person to think about – to have the thought that, oh, I told you it was rigged. Yeah, they will be first. Nah, right. You got something for uh, tell them why you master? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we master. I'm gonna tell you why we master. <sighs> <laughs> so much to go through. So I'm not sure how this is all gonna pan out. Denver, my dog Greg Olson, man, he killing it. Oh, in the booth. oh no, oh no, <laughs> he is killing it, killing it. I mean, he the best right now, straight up. He the best. Like a lot of people, you know, Tony Romo. Nah, that's actually Greg Olson. <laughs> Greg, Greg Olson is, 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 is the cream of the crop right now. And he is. He's killing it. Yesterday, or the day before, whenever it was, Tom Brady decided to announce his retirement. For good. And I was reminded <laughs> that this man is about to get paid $375 million to get in the booth. What that means for my boy Greg Olson, I do not know. And I really hope they work this out because you got to keep him. Maybe there's <laughs> So when I'm mad, I'm not necessarily mad. I'm just, I'm just, just I don't know. I just, 
there's no answers yet right maybe they so, put maybe they put brady in the studio and let terry bradshaw retire that would be the best thing. maybe i don't know <laughs> but like, i'm, I'm mad that that right. i have to like i'm mad that i have to feel this for my my dog right now like, yeah well mine real quick before we get out of here uh yeah i'm gonna tell you stays, why we mad son. i'm gonna tell you why we mad son. Stays in vein. i thought tony romo was a good color analyst and maybe it's because I haven't been watching him the past year or so, but he, my man has fallen off a cliff from where he was the first year. Because <laughs> he was it's like, because he's too repetitive. Don't nobody want to hear what the play is about to be? Oh, like, man, well, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's not even doing that anymore. That was his whole thing. Like he was like dissecting what it was supposed to be before the play, and you're like, oh, he nailed it. He don't even do that anymore. Now he's just like. This is what they should be doing right here. They're gonna do it. Oh, they didn't do it. Oh, oh shoot. he was supposed to run fast, but he ran slow, and that's why I got tackled, Jim. Like stuff like that. I'm like, bro, what? <laughs> like they're paying you how much to do this? You know, you know what he is? And, and I, I maybe I'm throwing too much shade, but he is nah, not a, here. <laughs> he is Walmart brand Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> Walmart. But he turned in that overnight. Like he was the darling. Yeah, he was the yeah, new hey, toy. Man, shout out to Walmart, though. Yo, Walmart's the only place in America where you can buy a steak and a tire. That is what right. it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how good the steak's going to be, but you can get them both while you're in there. Um, yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad. I'm going to tell you why we mad. Man, he just fell off. And um, to Stu's point, uh, Olsen will be in the booth for the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, I don't think they're going to throw Tom Brady in there for his first game to be <laughs> Super Bowl 57, but nah. that's a question they're going to have to figure out because that's a whole lot of money, man. That's that's a lot. <laughs> that's they a lot of money to pay. Look, what they need to do is say, hey, Tom, look, Greg is balling, so we're going to split the proceeds. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to <We're gonna> split, <laughs> <your money>. <laughs> split your money, <laughs> and we're going to recalibrate our game plan. Any chance of a three-man booth for their number one booth? Nah, too, there many with them? Cook, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, what they need to be worried about is CBS because, like, if they want to pay the money, great transfer that deal over to CBS and let them take over for. Well, Tony Romo just got an extension after that first year. Well, it ain't nowhere near what Brady's is, but yeah, that's true. Uh, what what, what, what was Greg talking on the uh, Pat McAfee show? What was he talking about? See, uh, Greg Aaron says Greg was on Pat McAfee's show. If you hadn't seen it, they got it clipped. Definitely worth watching. I, well, we're at the end of the show now, Aaron. You're supposed to tell us that like yeah, 40 minutes ago. Up, <laughs> up, Aaron, up, Aaron, Aaron, Hurry up and type. Hurry up and type. Tell us what it was. <laughs> yeah, what? Now, I know Greg has said some things where he was like, I think it was a week or so ago, where he had, I read an article where he was like, Yeah, I know. I'm kind of keeping the seat warm for Tom. But I'm gonna make it really hard for them to, to put yeah, Tom Brady in the seat. Okay. And I'll be damned if he didn't do exactly that <laughs> through the playoffs. He took his game up. Uh, uh I don't know, man. We're rooting for you, Greg. We need to get him on too. We gotta get up some of these Panthers on the offseason. So yeah, we got a we'll, wish list. We'll see if we can get we'll, we'll see if we can get him. We'll start with Smitty. See yeah, we get Smitty on. Greg on. Hey, I want to get Cam Newton on here. Although he might not want nothing to do with the Panthers at this point. But I want I want to bring Ace Boogie on. I want to bring on some uh, I've got Thomas Davis's contact info we gotta bring td back on or on he hadn't been on um we'll get some of these guys on during the offseason keep it interesting we didn't get into the whole goat tom brady retires conversation because i really want to have a conversation about is tom brady actually the goat man he's retired and he is he is the goat he is (laughs) definitely the goat because there's difference a lot of it's like i look at him like he's kareem he's kareem abdul jabbar he's gonna have all the records he played 20 years but is he the great? I know he's been great, but I, I just saw a state. He doesn't have a losing record against anybody 
in the NFL. Yeah. Everyone he, keeps talking about like, oh, he's played the longest. Longevity is a part of greatness. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So if you're talking about, well, of course he has all these because he's played so long. Well, listen, if you 45 <laughs> and you you're out there and take it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? threw for 5,000 yards last year. Yeah. <laughs> he threw over so, 5,000 yards listen, last I year. I don't want to hear it. Tom Brady, the greatest. Joe Montana's great, too. I mean, Ooh. listen. Who are you taking in the Super Bowl, though, Montana or Brady? Brady. God. Brady. Really? If I'm Ron? taking – uh, no, nah, I'm taking. I'm taking. I'm taking. Uh... Montana never turned the ball over. Never lost one. See, Look. and that was my that was my comparison because it's like to me, Mahomes is like Jordan. We've never seen that before. He does something. You're right. like, I ain't never seen that before. Like that's different. Yeah. That that boy built yeah. different. Brady yeah. is like Kareem, LeBron, where it's like his longevity, his stats. That resume is so long. You got to include him in the conversation when it's over. But is he the greatest? Like, we've just given it to him because he just played until he was 85 years old or whatever at a high level. I mean, dude, on the list. more Super Bowls than any franchise in the NFL. He's got seven rings. Like, and every time I even have this conversation with myself, I, I end up losing because I'm like, well, he's got seven rings. I mean, if you look at there, seven rings. I don't want to hear it. He's great. In the Super Bowl. <laughs> he had some weapons some years, but like, there, a lot of those teams that he won Super Bowls with, they were not the best team in the NFL. And, and in terms of the other pieces he had around, like you take you take those you take the majority of his receivers he was throwing to, and you put them on other teams to start their career. They ain't doing nothing. Shout out to Troy Brown, uh, who was some of those uh, Ben Watson, like I'm old school Patriots tight ends, wide receivers. They had wide receivers out there playing uh, DB. <laughs> Like they were going both ways, so like yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, Tom wasn't getting hit like Joe Montana. Willie Smith says so. That's a valid point too. Joe Montana had these legs were about this thin, and like yeah, if you got hit, it was going to be a problem. But Joe never had that issue. That's what I'm saying. This is going to be a conversation we have maybe next week as we get into Super Bowl. Talk. I think I think if yeah we yeah we'll leave it at that. Efficiency, efficiency. I'm taking Joe Montana. Game on the line. Game on the line, gonna take the shot. Tom, not gonna work. Not even gonna worry about it. Just gonna take it. I'm taking Tom. I got it. Tom will get you a field goal. Joe giving you a touchdown. <laughs> like Joe going down and scoring. Like and he did it. But a couple efficient, of times. efficient efficiency comes with mm. decision making, right? Like I'm not gonna take that shot because that's not worth taking. Let's see, this is gonna so be a good. I'm one. Not gonna, so I'm not gonna throw a pick. We might have I'm a so I'm not gonna throw a pick. I'm not gonna throw a pick. That looks like a, a pick well, look, zone over there. Everybody marinate on it because we're gonna come back to that eventually, and that's gonna be one of those ones where we're gonna need the fans' help. Like, no, we're talking about it right now, dog. <laughs> we're talking about it right now, dog. I ain't going nowhere. We gotta talk about it right now. I know we're supposed to go 30 minutes. It was an hour and 14 minutes and 37 seconds. We're gonna triple this out. We gotta stay right here and sort this out, dog. <laughs> 28-3, Cody said. I mean, there's of course there's an argument for him to be the GOAT. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, is he? <laughs> like, no one's really came up with that argument. Is he the GOAT? Because it's the same thing with, LeJor- with Jordan and LeBron. Like, Tom LeBron, Brady the goat. LeBron James the GOAT. What? No. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, not not in the long. No, no, not LeBron James. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan the GOAT. I was reading something that said somebody had put LeBron James, LeBron's name. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I was joking. That was that was a mistake. Michael Jordan, 
Michael Jordan the GOAT, Tom Brady the GOAT. Now, I want to throw something out there. Ten years from now, we gonna, I'm going to leave it here. This is off the – this is had nothing to do with football, everything <laughs> with basketball. In ten years, Steph Curry is going to be – we're going to be talking about Steph Curry in a whole different light. We're yeah. already starting to talk about it like this. Yeah, yeah. Because this man has changed – he has changed the game. He's in my top ten. He moved in my top ten. I think me and Skylar have talked about this. He moved top in my 10. top ten. He in my yeah. top five. No, top three. No. No, He's I can't believe mine was Jordan, Kareem, Magic, Kobe, LeBron. That was my top five as it stands. Man, that's, that's, that, those, that's your top five that you like. No, right? that's my top five. Now, now, look at it. Look at as far as the exposure to stuff. the game, the exposure to the game, the, 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 what they have done to the game. Steph Curry. Got little little white boys at, at YMCA. Oh, I know they have out to there throwing up too. shots like yeah. they like. Oh, I can play basketball now. That's why I moved him in my top ten. He <laughs> so, changed how we. Get, I'm a swat. I'm a swat your I'm a, I'm a. <laughs> He had to get to. He got the four. He's got four rings now, and he and he's a unanimous league MVP. No one's ever done that. Jordan, Kobe, yeah. Matt, none of them. Bird, nobody's ever done that. If he gets to five, he I'll talk. I'll talk. You want. Giannis is going to be the goat. That boy is nuts. Ooh. Have like <laughs> See, I got to stop this right here. We're going to be here. All right, let's stop. I, I'm trying to I figure this out. This no more. Giannis, I, is I like, mm, Giannis is like Wilt with like handles. <laughs> like I'm just trying to – yeah, see, we'll have this too. It's not just football here. We, we can get into this greatest – we'll have a greatest debate. Who's the greatest in football? Who's the greatest in basketball? I don't know if any, any of us care enough about baseball to even bring it up, but – Nah. Who's the greatest? Yeah, we'll just stick with basketball and football because they kind of Babe Ruth. They kind of correlate. Out there, hopped up on hot dogs. And Lord knows what else. Just hitting home runs. Just, just popping home. Runs. <laughs> I, I won't be deep into it. I won't be deep into it. I'm a big baseball guy, but Mike Trout may end up being the go to baseball, and he's never been to the playoffs. He never plays though, does he? Didn't he always hurt? He's been hurt a couple times, but he's fairly durable. All right, all right. But hey, can't get Steph, Curry, Steph Curry, top three, <laughs> top three. Argue, argue, argue with your mama. To five to argue three. with your mama or somebody <laughs> else's mama. Wow, care. you went all the way up to three. I love Steph. Yeah, Steph's my, probably my favorite player in the league right now. Um, so yeah, we we definitely gonna get to that. We definitely gonna yeah. get to that. Um, you next gotta, week you got you got to you got to you got to hurt feelings to say that though. Yeah, you got to hurt some feelings to say top three. Hey, that's hey, that's a cold. We're gonna. I need an explanation for that when we come back because uh. I can't drop Kobe Bryant out of my top five for Steph Curry. I, I can't. I'm not I'm dropping magic. Kobe Bryant either. I'm not I'm dropping Kobe Johnson Bryant out of, out of that five. either. Ain't nobody dropping mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant out of that. Mm-hmm. So wait, you got – okay, see, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. I'll, no, say, no, 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 no. I'll say it for you. Who is your top three? Michael Jordan, Kobe, Steph Curry. Argue with your mama. Oh my goodness! So that's that's uh, that's I don't even. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. I'm gonna tell you why we mad, son. We gonna get to it. I'm mad. We're in this off season. We coming back around to this, so we'll we'll get back to that. I'm but, taking uh, three. I'm taking those three, and we winning. Period. Hey, shoot! <laughs> Shout out hey. to uh, Believe Podcast Mike, Network. We'll steal the ball. 
Uh, shout out to betonline.ag. <laughs> Go get that welcome bonus. Type in Believe, B-L-E-A-V. Get your welcome bonus when you first sign in. And shout out to all y'all for dealing with us every week. Yeah, because we're this one especially. We was all over the place. We had a ball though. We had a whole week to marinate on what we was gonna do. We still came in like, well, let's do this, this and that, and yeah, we definitely marinated. <laughs> we marinated on it. We sat down and just marinated. I think the next episode usually we go early in the week, um, Monday, Tuesday next week probably. We we're pretty flexible here. Yeah, we float. You know, yeah, Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, somewhere in there we we'll get we we'll get you going. Usually right around lunchtime. Subscribe. To the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel, it'll tell you when the new episode's going to come. Uh, as I put them in, um, it's at youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Go subscribe there. Uh, you can find the audio versions of this across any major podcast platform. Thanks to the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, we will be back next week. We will dissect Super Bowl Fifty Seven Chiefs versus uh, the Eagles as we uh, were in our group chat talking about it as it was going down. The first Super Bowl to feature two black starting quarterbacks in NFL history it took us 57 Super Bowls to get to this. Um, so it's a big deal. Jalen Hurts, Pat Mahomes, two different styles. We'll get into all of that. There'll probably be some more hires with the Panthers between now and then too. Well, maybe in the next five or six days. So we'll get into any of that and any Panthers news as well. Tell your friends about us. Uh, we out. For Skylar Callahan, Jonathan Stewart, I'm Desmond Johnson. You've been watching and listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on Believe Podcast Networks. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.